0: Don't sweat the rope. I'll get to that in a minute. I can this Brother Richard this morning, thank you for letting me do this. Uh, I'm going to do something a little weird today. It's a testimony about my testimony. And uh, I'm going to try to plug a few other things while I'm at it. So I'm going to start with, uh, well, let me start here. Uh, some time ago, Larry uh, offered the opportunity to we in the choir and he announced it to you the congregation that if anybody felt led to give a testimony that they would make time for that. It ain't happened. Now here I stand before you the guys talking about you know men leading and this sort of stuff and uh, I'll refer to something else along those lines too so uh, my boots first one on the ground. Uh, I do this little thing. uh, You you can go to the bookstore and buy all these books on signs of a living church, thriving church, dying church, growing church. How about this one? What are the signs of a church that's ready to grow? Testimonies. Are we so dumb? Yeah, dumb. Are we so dumb that we come to a point in the church where we think a testimony is just a story about how we got saved. Now the reason I say that is uh, on my first retreat, uh, Dan Wood made a remark that your testimony changes. I thought, well, that's dumb. No, it's not. If your testimony ain't changing, you ain't growing. Purely mathematical, wouldn't you say? And uh, that's been at me the whole time. Uh, So to move on. Uh, three of us, uh, Robert, Glenn, we participated in uh, the men's retreat over the weekend. Uh, I look good compared to some. We this is what most of us, with uh, with exception of time when we were in rain gear, wading around in mud, and uh, we had a great retreat. And, and I'm busting it the same to tell you all about that, but that's that's for another day. Uh, this experience, this recent experience on the, on the retreat uh, brought me to this change and an understanding in my own testimony. Uh, I've heard it for quite some time about being emptied, broken, emptied, so that uh, you could be filled and things poured through you to others. And uh, you know, I've been talking all this stuff about men and servanthood and all that. Well, uh, duh, as the kids say. That's what we do at the retreats. We're training men to be men. Now, this is our recent t-shirt. It's called the Expedition uh, Men's Retreat. Going out. Expedition. Our theme verse is 1 Corinthians 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Be, act like a man. That's in big letters. That's what we try to convey to these men, young and old alike. And uh, we serve them. We're trying to teach them servanthood. And, uh, you know, it kind of all fell into place. Uh, you know, we need men serving. That's leading the church. And uh, that just all fell together and it, it, in a way that I could say it to you. And uh, so that, that's the objective of that is to uh, make leaders out of men, lead their church. Uh, some of you may be aware of this. We uh, we now have a men's ministry team, and Richard has charged us with uh, doing just that, really. And uh, that I want our objective to be train men to be servants and uh, to lead the church. And if you look at the churches that are growing, and this is not about numbers, the churches that are growing, I don't care what denomination it is, what color their skin is, I don't care. The churches that are growing are the churches where the men are leading the church. I mean, if you don't like that, get over it. it that's just the way it is. And uh, so we we have a, a serious task, and he's put it on us. He's expecting us to do it. So, you know, uh, like I said, I guess we got boots on the ground, got to stir up some dust now. But. Um, I'm, I'm trying to stay short. To, to go on to let you know, but, but my testimony is kind of weird, but I want you to know that your testimony is going to change, and you need to share it. I know that's not for everybody. It's not for me. What I'm doing right now is not for me, but I'm stepping up. i trying to do it. But uh, we, we've got some things on the calendar, and it's already in works, y'all. A group of men, and I'm not going to try to name them because I'm I'm kind of fuzzy right now. But we have pledged this team every Sunday morning at 08:15 to meet here in the sanctuary and pray for our preacher because we failed him on that. We were doing that at one time. We failed him. And uh, we're we're planning uh, men's prayer breakfasts once a quarter. Now, the first one we can get to will be the 28th of April. That's too far away. We're also, on those days, going to call men to come forward And pray over these men, our church, our community, our world. And I asked if I could do this this morning. Two months is too long. I want to call the men. Just come and stand with us. Stand firm in the faith. You 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 ain't got to pray. Just come stand with us. Let your church see you leading the church. Because until that happens, we're dead in the water. So, Larry, Richard, y'all come here. Men. On. Outstanding. come before your throne this is serious business I thank you for these men that have taken the first step stand around our preacher we need to pray for him support him that's the best protection he can have I thank you for these men for the very possibility they could take part in our man's ministry we don't know what that's going to be yet but we've started Pray for the needs of the church, but we also want to remember that there are needs outside the church. That we are to go out. It's all an expedition. Watch over our staff, everyone involved, watch over the people who have needs, known and unknown, and we'll trust all that to you. We ask that you forgive us where we fail you, because we're always going to do that. Ask this in the name of our Savior, our captain our King, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now, I told you I'd get to the rope. Treats, one of the guys did this. I want you to imagine that this red part, that's the here and now. That's our life. We're born here, we die here. All this other, I want you to imagine that rope, it goes well out the door, but that's eternity. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Well, we get caught up in our things here, and you know, our lives, even our activities in church, right here. We can get so consumed with this that we forget all this is not here for us. It's for the lost. Brother Amel Turner, that right here at this, pulpit and told us that went over my head three weeks later I got it teaching men to lead their church is teaching them to be servants best way I can think of to lead your church that's not concerned so much with this it's concerned with this we got a choice to make we're going to be caught up right here and when it's over it's over because that's by the world's measure wouldn't you say are we going to concern ourselves with this Because I wish y'all could experience what me and Glenn and Robert experienced this weekend men making decisions men that were dead set against it, men that didn't know anything about it young and old this is what they're going to be lost for kind of grabs you, don't it? Eternity. I'm looking forward to seeing not what we can do, but if we as men are capable of allowing ourselves to be emptied so that we can be used. Thank you.
1: But that rope ended But eternity never does. It just keeps going and going and going, and so many will be lost for all of eternity. On June 6, 1944, one of the largest amphibious military assault missions in history began when over 150,000 American, British, and Canadian troops were mobilized to storm the beaches of Normandy. Facing a strong German resistance, over 4,000 Allied troops lost their lives that day, with thousands more either wounded or they went missing in action. But through this organized mission, Western Europe was liberated from Hitler's Nazi regime, and the tide of the war completely shifted in favor of the Allies. This mission Codename Operation Overlord was successfully mobilized and its goals accomplished because General Eisenhower understood key factors to effective mission mobility. Effective mission mobility is an important thing for the church today, it's important for us. As we go out on the mission that God has given us to accomplish here in our world, in our time. Therefore, we as a church, we value mission mobility. We value mission mobility. This is the sixth and final core value as we've been looking at this study on who we are. We value mission mobility. We believe Christ commissioned His church to make disciples of all nations. And are committed to making disciples in our local community, in our region, and around the world through personal evangelism and the mobilization of missionaries. Now, let me read that again. We believe Christ commissioned his church to make disciples of all nations. That's all peoples. And are committed to making disciples in our local community here in Bastrop in Morehouse Parish. In our region, in the state of Louisiana, and around us, and around the world, to the ends of the earth, through personal evangelism, ourselves, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, and the mobilization of missionaries, sending out missionaries around the globe to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost all around Now today we are looking in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 11. And in Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 11 here today we're going to observe five key factors, five key factors for effective mission mobility. Jane was was talking about the importance of men leading the church. The men are to lead the church into the mission of Christ, the mission that God has given us to do, to mobilize us to do the mission that we are called to do. So we have five key factors for effective mission mobility. And we, we think about mobilizing for our mission, as we think about mobilizing for our mission, there's, there's, there's these five things we need to consider. First, we need to know what's at stake. Second, we need to know uh, have we, do we have the ability to accomplish the mission at hand. Third, we need to know uh, if we have the authority to accomplish the mission given us. Fourth, we need to know the scope of the mission. And fifth, we need to know when to attack. And so these are the things we're going to consider today, and I pray that as we look at these things, that we will be supercharged to go out and do the mission that God has called us to do. So five key factors for effective mission mobility, and we're just going to work through the text today. Now, this passage in Acts, it's it's, Acts is part two of two books. There's two books. Luke is the author of both of these books. Luke authored the Gospel of Luke, which tells about the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And then part two, and you can read that in first in one there of Acts, part two, he's, he's writing the, uh, what the church did afterwards, what the church did after Jesus had died and been resurrected. And so in our passage today, Jesus is still here. Jesus is still here. He's been with his disciples for 40 days. This is after his death, burial, and resurrection. And now he has been with his disciples, walking with them, talking with them, teaching them. And this is his final moments with him. He is about to leave. And here we see King Jesus commissioning his his disciples, mobilizing his disciples for the mission that he is going to set before them. So as we look at this then, first of all, we ask that question, what is at stake? What's at stake? In World War II, when they charged the beaches of Normandy, what was at stake was liberty. Hitler had conquered all of Western Europe and brought them under his oppressive Nazi regime. And so liberty was at stake. For us, what is at stake today? Well, let's look at our text. So when he had come together, when they had come together, Jesus and his disciples, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now let's stop there. Notice there's there's two strong words that we need to to note here, two strong verbs. First of all, the disciples ask him, is it time to restore the kingdom? That's an important word. If you're like me and you mark in your Bible, you need to circle that word. Is it time for you to restore the kingdom, the kingdom of Israel? You see, the disciples understood that there's a time coming when God's kingdom would be restored. Now, in history, the Bible tells us that history is broken up into four basic points of time. There's four basic points in history, and, and you need to know these. First, there was creation, when God created the heavens and the earth. And when God had created all things, and he had created man and woman in his own image and likeness, God looked at creation, and he says, very good. Creation is very good. It was perfect. It was wonderful. It was just as He had planned it. There was nothing in the world. There was no death. There was no sin. There was none of these things. The world was perfect. But then stage two came the fall. The fall. Adam and Eve could have lived in perfect harmony with God and creation. They had entered into a covenant with God and God had said, well, you just, uh, you, you, you go forth, have dominion over the earth, be fruitful and multiply, and I'll bless you. There's just there's one thing. That tree right there in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of the good and of evil, don't partake of its fruit. Don't eat it of that tree. But you can have every other plant, you can eat every other tree in the garden, just that one tree, don't do that. And Adam and Eve, they chose to trust Satan, who came to them with a lie. He, they chose to, true, to, to trust the lie rather than the King of Kings, their Creator. And they followed him and they partook of the fruit. And when they had partaken of the fruit, when they had sinned against God, their relationship with God was broken, their relationship with one another was broken. Their relationship with all of creation was broken. Sin came into the world, and it was, it was passed on to, from Adam and Eve right down to us. And so in, in Genesis, from chapter 3 of Genesis, and that's the fall, from chapter 3 to chapter 11, we get that result of man's fall from God. Man just kept continuing to dwindle, 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 and fall further and further away from God. But then chapter 12 comes, and there's a man named Abraham. And God comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, through you and your seed, your one seed, your one offspring, this one man that will come from you, through you, this man, through this seed of yours, I will bless the nation's reconciliation god's plan of reconciliation begins to be revealed in scripture and throughout the rest of the old testament we have allusions to reconciliation that is to come god is looking to reconcile man to himself and then when the new testament comes enters jesus king jesus who is the son of abraham But he's also the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. And here is the reconciler. And King Jesus comes to this earth as a poor man, and he lives in complete obedience to God, opposite of what Adam did. He lives in obedience to God's will. He lives in obedience to the Father's will. And though he was without sin, though he did did nothing that deserved death, he went to Calvary's cross willingly. And he died on the cross for my sins and your sin. He paid the penalty for our rejection of God for us. He died on the cross. And three days later, Scripture tells us he was raised again. He came back to life. And this is the, the first part of the restoration. You see, God is looking to restore He wants it back the way it was when everything was good, very good. He wants creation to be back at that point in the garden when everything was perfect and right. And so Jesus came to reconcile us to God, to unbreak that which, which we have broken, to renew our relationship, reconcile our relationship to God so that He can bring us into His renewed, His restored kingdom. That's his aim. And when Jesus rose from the dead, restoration began right then. He was the firstborn of the resurrection. He is the new life, the new creation. And those who trust in him, they have been reconciled to God. And now, even now, the Holy Spirit lives in us and is already beginning to restore us to God and to, to restore our lives. We are becoming more and more like Christ because of the, the work of God in us. But it's not final, you see. There's more still yet to come. And the disciples understand this. It's now the time of, of the restoration, Are you going to renew all things? Are you going to bring the new heavens and the new earth? Is this the time of the restoration? You see, there's still more to look forward to. We're looking for that day when God will renew all things and make all things new, just like it was back in the garden when all things were perfect. But Jesus says, no, it's not for you to know the times. It's not the time yet. It's not for you to know the times in which the Father has fixed the other important word, fixed. And this is a, a matter that is fixed. This is going to take place. Christ is going to return. He's going to restore all things and make all things new. It's going to happen. No doubt about it. God knows the point in time that's going to take place and it will take place. Now here's where we get to the stakes. How do we see what's at stake here? Because Scripture tells us when the time of restoration comes, when Christ returns, not only is He coming to restore us, His followers, those who trust in Him, but at that moment in time will be the time of judgment. When Christ comes to restore His people into His kingdom, He's also coming to judge the dead scripture says he was coming he is the one who is to judge the living and the dead when it says the living that's talking about christians those who trust in jesus who have made, been made alive back to god been restored to life to god and the dead are those who have rejected christ and said no i'm going to stay where i was i'm going to continue doing it on my own they are the dead And God is coming to judge the living and the dead. He's going to come and judge us by his accomplishments, by what Jesus has done. And he's going to say, come in, my good and faithful servant. But for the dead, he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, you sinner, you transgressor, you worker of treason. Depart from me, for I never knew you. What's at stake? Eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake for your friends, your family, your neighbors who do not know Jesus. Dear friends, we have a skewed vision of hell. We, we, we read it in the Bible and we say we believe in a hell, but we don't really understand Hell. If we understood hell, we would be far more busy about telling people about Jesus. You know, we always say this when when we see people who are sick and who are dying, well, there's worse things than death. I want to say, well, maybe. If they're a, a Christian, yes, there's far worse things than death, right? But if they're not a Christian... Dear friend, I want to tell you, if that person is not a Christian, there is nothing worse than death. Absolutely nothing. We don't understand hell. The worst suffering this life has to offer. The absolute worst this life has to offer is a a cakewalk compared to hell where the worm never dies and the flame is never quenched. It is better to suffer the worst, most agonizing pain in this life than to die and go to hell. We look around at our friends and our neighbors we know they're going to hell. And we talk about the weather. Dear friend, I want you to know today, stakes are high. Eternity is at stake. we got to quit playing around. We've got to quit playing around. We've been kind of lollygagging in so many ways. We've just been kind of doing things this way or that way. We, we haven't really. We're looking at the world around us, and we're seeing them. They're dying. They're going to hell. And we just can't continue life as usual. Who are you looking at? Who are you investing in? trying to help escape the fires of hell. Stakes are extremely high. First, got to get out there. we got to let people know. We need to think about hell day in and day out. We need to just meditate on that and get a good vision of that. And that ought to propel us out those doors to tell the lost about Jesus. Dear friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Eternity is at stake. If you die without Jesus, you'll be judged among the dead. And it's not just a a, a long sleep. It's eternity. Without end. In the devil's hell. Do you know Jesus today? Do you trust in Him? It's not about saying a prayer. It's not about doing this thing or that thing. Here's the simple key. If you are to escape... Hell, you trust in Jesus. You trust in Jesus. Turn away from that life of of rebellion and, and, and living your life on your own terms. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. He died for you. He died for you so that you might have life What greater love is there than that? I know that's just point one, but we're going to end there today. Because God is just telling me I need to stop right there. Maybe you are here. And God just brought you to here, point one. You, you need to know the stakes. You need to know what's at stake. Your eternity is at stake. And if you don't turn your life around and give it to Jesus, then hell is in your future. But today, make today be the day that you turn to Jesus and trust in Him. Give yourself to Him. As Larry and the musicians come, I want you to bow your heads. I just want to talk to you for a minute. Maybe you're here and you're new to church, you're new to Christianity, and you don't even know what to think or do. It's all about this. Trusting in... Jesus that's the gospel that's the good news that he has for us that God wants to restore us and reconcile us to himself and it's not about what we do there's nothing we can do it's all about what Jesus did and right now where you are you'll just pray to the Lord Lord God I am I'm a sinner I'm living away from you I've been pushing away from you right now I see I need you and if you'll just right now trust in Jesus give your life to him he will reconcile you he will unbreak what is broken And he will give you a new life in him you do that right now as we stand let me pray for us real quick Heavenly Father Lord I don't know why you've unfolded things the way you have today Far more was planned but Lord, from the moment I stepped in here today, I knew you, you changed the plan. Because you're working on somebody. You have a message for someone here today. This is all they needed to hear. So Father, I just pray right now you would work on them, your spirit would work on them. And they would not leave here today, but that they know you and the reconciliation that you have provided for them. And Lord, as a church, we pray, oh, that we would see what's at stake and get serious about the mission that you have given to us. And that we would mobilize to tell our friends, our neighbors, our family who do not know you the truth of your saving grace. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.